Auburn's game versus Texas A&M is bigger for reasons much larger than Saturday. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I am Lindsey Crosby, filling in for Zach Blackerby. Uh, and thank you so much for making Locked on Auburn your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. Each potential hire for your small business can feel like a high stakes wager. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. Uh, we are joined today, as Zach is every Friday, by Daryl Daprich. You know him. You love him. He's the godfather of the show. And, and Daryl, this is a perfect timing to have you here because uh, going into Texas A&M, uh, first game of conference play, this is a really important game, but it's it's important in the context, not just of you want to start the SEC schedule with a win, this is really big for reasons that go past just this Saturday. It really is. And you try to keep that in perspective if you're the coaching staff and, and, and with young kids playing for you. In the media and the pundits, it's easier to look at this and go, well, it doesn't make or break your season. But I know that Zach early on and some other people felt like this was the most important game on Auburn's schedule. I felt like it was Cal early on, and then it starts to be it starts to change and build as the season goes on. Here's why. Obviously, there's a four-game stretch here that is a gauntlet for Auburn. AM, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss. In my opinion, in order for Auburn to get to eight wins, you gotta win one of these next four. I think if you come out of this at four and three, you're in a pretty good shot stretched with the last five games being very winnable to get to where you need to be. So the most important one is obviously the first one because it's next. It's also to me right now on paper, the most winnable. That could change if Alabama, you know, absolutely throttles Ole Miss Saturday and that whole complexion changes and the chemistry of that. So I think right now you look at this game and you say you don't want it to be a four-loss loss, meaning if you lose this game Saturday, you don't want the ramifications and the, the trajectory of Auburn season to kind of change and seep in and to become a situation where the confidence goes away and it snowballs. Now, if you win it, it changes the trajectory because then you go into Georgia at 4-0. So the ramifications and what it means for the rest of the year makes this more important for just a one win or one loss for Saturday. Yeah, and, and looking at what happens if Auburn wins on Saturday, to me it feels like you also you change the, the trajectory of this four-game stretch because you're also in a scenario where you're kind of playing with house money, right? Your goal was to come out of it one and three. And if you secure that win up front, it probably like one, there's a confidence factor from the fan base, from the players. Okay, this stuff that we do, yeah, it worked against, it barely worked against Cal. It's worked against inferior opponents, but we were able to pull it off in the SEC against a roster that on paper is more talented than the one that we have. But I think, too, it kind of frees up the mindset of, okay, 
we have nothing to lose in these middle games now. When we go and we face a Georgia, we face an LSU, we face an Ole Miss, we've already banked that win behind us. You can play a little more free, a little more loose. Uh, I'm not saying they're all of a sudden going to whip out 10 trick plays a game or anything, but it does feel like, one, the ceiling of the team could be better if you win on Saturday, but then also just what it gives you the ability to do in those next three games, you then could talk about the possibility of coming out two and two if you win on Saturday. So big for reasons beyond just the game on Saturday, but kind of like you said, if you lose, it feels like you make that entire stretch a lot tougher. Like what does something like a loss on Saturday do for the players, the coaching staff and the fan base? Well, let me just say this, because I, I want to make sure if, if anyone's watching this and they're listening to it, please lean in closer and hear me very, <laughs> very clearly. I am not conceding anything. I'm not a defeatist. I'm not punting and saying, oh, Auburn's going to go 0-4 or 1-3 down the stretch and automatically assume it. I'm just basing it on who's favored on paper, Vegas, all those kind of things that I would be a fool to not be realistic and be truthful and say Auburn will be a underdog in the next four games unless, you know, Ole Miss gets black boat raced by Alabama. Do I think that Auburn could beat Georgia, beat Ellis? Absolutely. I'm not conceding that. I'm just saying what it looks like on paper from an odd standpoint, favorite standpoint. So I want to get that out of the way, first of all. What it looks like from a loss standpoint is – it puts a little bit of pressure, in my opinion, on a football team that hasn't been together that long with a coaching staff that hasn't been together that long because I think they realize their goals and their objectives are a certain realistic number to get to. And then after that point, like you said, they're just playing with house money. You lose this game, you have to feel like there's an urgency that gets ratcheted up and you feel like, okay, I better win one of the next three. Okay, so that's what it does for a staff, young players, and how you lose it would matter. Um, I think going on the road, your first SEC road game, you don't, like I said, you don't want this to become a four-loss loss if you were to to lose it, where it affects you emotionally, confidence-wise for the next three games. But I want to go back and touch on something you said that I think is very, very uh, important that I want to skim over. Mm -hmm. If Auburn was to come out of the stretch and go two and two, you completely flip the narrative of what the ceiling and floor should be for this football team. For me, I would say, okay, I predicted eight and four. I'm going to change my uh, projection and prediction to nine and three, and maybe even 10 and two because a game like like at Arkansas, where I thought was going to be something that you know, Auburn was going to – if Arkansas having it beat by BYU and Auburn beats A&M and Ole Miss, that game becomes that much more – so it completely changes the script and the story that could be written on this 2023 Auburn football team if they were to win two of the next four. Yeah, and the thing to remember with this team is obviously you're – you're we're not expecting them to win all four of these games. And like we said, the goal was to one and three, but – To boil it down a little bit more, the goal is for everything to be a little bit smoother than it was in previous weeks. And we know we've talked on this show. I said it on Monday's show. You talked about it over the weekend in the recap. Uh, The team that you have in week four 
is not the same team you're going to have facing Alabama at the end of the season. And so even if you were to lose the Texas A&M game, it can be a productive loss if you can work out a little bit better about getting the offense to flow well, if you can work out better about the ball distribution, who steps up, you know, the pass rush picking up on defense from the defensive line perspective and and things like that. So it can, it can be a productive loss. And I'm not going to say a moral victory. There are no moral victories, but it can be a productive loss. But obviously it helps you a lot more to 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 win on Saturday because like you said, that does raise the entire ceiling of this entire team and the public national perception of Auburn as well. It really does. And I think the important thing for this coaching staff is also to hold form and keep this team together through this stretch, no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. Don't panic. Don't consider it a lost season. And I'm talking to the fan base out here just as much. Do not come apart and start saying we didn't get the right guy. This team isn't going to be where it needs to be. If Auburn comes out of this four-game stretch, four and three or three and four, mm-hmm. th- that's not going to define the season. You hope you don't allow it to define the season. And that's where the coaching staff has to do a really important job of keeping this group together, keeping them unified, saying, look, we got a lot to play for. And let's just be honest, these last five games – we played a very tough part of our schedule. The last five games gets easier. Let's go out and get after it and win four or five of these. And you completely th- – this season is going to be in three segments. Where we are right now, we're good. We're 3-0, and where Auburn should be. This next four is going to be brutal. And then there's the back five. Don't allow yourself to play your whole season in one of these three segments is what I'm saying. Well said. You mentioned the guy – there's a question about Peyton Thorne and how much we should be using him on the ground. We'll get to that next right here on Locked on Auburn. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. Every new potential hire can feel like you are gambling with the success of your business. You want to be 100% certain you're hiring the right person. Daryl, you run a small business. Uh, actually, not that small, but... Like LinkedIn jobs has been a useful tool for you trying to build your business, right? It really does. It saves time. It really gets you candidates that you feel comfortable with, that you that are serious. We just have a position open for a welder here where I'm at a very important position, a very crucial position. I wouldn't just trust that job search with anybody. And now I have a nice stack of candidates to sift through and to look look through that are qualified to fill that job, which is a crucial job in our organization. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one at delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free, linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Uh, Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. You've known them for a long time because they would bring you fantastic eats late at night when you were hungry at home. But let's say you wake up in the morning and you're like, hey, we're having pancakes, but I'm out of syrup or I don't have any more coffee creamer, things like that. And so DoorDash grocery delivery can help you get what you want when you need it. Maybe it's just something you're out of. You need a quick thing to finish the meal that you're having. You can put that in or... You want to get fresh groceries for the entire week, but you don't have time to go to the store and do all of that yourself. 
Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. So get 50% off of your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at checkout. It's a limited time offer. Terms do apply, but that's 50% off up to $20 with no minimum subtotal. Zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Don't forget, code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Friday episode, Lindsey Crosby filling in for for Zach Blackerby here with Daryl Daprich and saw a stat that was really surprising as we were putting together this show. Uh, Number one in carries on this Auburn football team, Damari Austin, 24 carries, 119 yards. But Auburn's leader in rushing yards and who is tied for second in number of carries Peyton Thorne, 140 net yards, because you have to count for sacks and things like that, on 22 carries. Do we want Peyton Thorne rushing this much? Or is this just something where game script has kind of dictated how that happened? I believe game script has dictated it. It's more out of necessity than design. And I'll tell you why. We know as an RPO offense that the quarterback is going to run the football some horizontally, east-west. Uh, you know, tuck it, pull it, that kind of thing, reading the defensive line. We felt like Robbie Ashford was the better suited quarterback for that. But we kept hearing all along and in the preseason, don't sleep on Peyton Thorne's inability to run the football. But what's happened is Auburn has gotten big chunks of yardage from Peyton Thorne, not so much on the RPO, but on the opportunity when he when he goes back to pass and the pocket either breaks down or they call it a design, pre-designed quarterback draw. Because what's happening early on, I watched Peyton Thorne use his footwork to just find a better throwing lane in the pocket mm-hmm. and his elusiveness to avoid tacklers to get a better throwing lane and keep his eyes downfield. That has evolved into, oh, my God, the field in front of me has opened up giant. I'm taking it, I'm tucking it, and I'm running. I've seen that. I've also seen design quarterback draws where he's gotten yards. So do, do we want this? Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that you would have the, you know, the, the, the risk of injury. But I think the reward totally outweighs the risk because not only are you getting chunk plays, but you are putting another bullet in the gun of this Auburn offense that defenses have to prepare for week in and week out. And what's going to happen, Lindsay, is they've got this on tape. And they're going to start putting a linebacker in the middle of the field to spy Peyton Thorne, to keep him from running quarterback draws, and to keep him from when plays break down, getting chunks of yardage. And when that happens, and you take a defensive player and put him in the middle of the field spying the quarterback, receivers and tight ends can get behind you, and you can start having room in the secondary. Because right now what's happening are these guys are turning, they're turning their backs, they're turning their heads, and they're following receivers and tight ends downfield, and their back is to Peyton Thorne, and that's why he's getting chunk yards. Remember, Bo Nix was very successful in running this in 2021. In fact, a quarterback draw iced the Arkansas game at Arkansas with a 30-yard TD run. That element in the Auburn offense is much needed and another weapon they need down the stretch. Yeah, and I think that – Peyton Thorne being willing to run and taking those opportunities, both on a called run and 
when there's an opening and instead of trying to continue to extend the play and find somebody to throw to. I think another big thing that it does is early in the season, very first game, obviously, you saw Peyton Thorne was in obvious passing situations. Robbie Ashford was in obvious rushing situations. The more you can disguise what you're going to be doing, even if Peyton Thorne doesn't run, like you said, knowing that he has the ability to do it and the defense having to adjust to that. Inherently, when you take a linebacker and you put them in a quarterback spy, you're either taking them out of a pass rush responsibility, making things easier on your offensive line, or you're taking them out of a pass coverage responsibility, making things easier in the intermediate game. And it feels like we've seen Peyton do a really good job passing the ball down the field. Seems like we've seen a really good job of some of the the short passes, you know, hitting backs in the flat, hitting wide receivers short. It feels like that intermediate level is really kind of where Auburn has struggled to, to consistently move the ball, especially over the middle of the field. And I think that's that right there you mentioned, having that quarterback spy in the middle of the field is probably the missing piece of that. Now that they're starting to see this is what he can do. I mean, the third longest carry on this team is by Peyton Thorne. Sean Jackson broke a 45-yarder. Jeremiah Cobb broke a 42-yarder. Peyton Thorne sitting there at a 38-yard run. So the fact that like once they start to respect that running ability, like you said, it opens up another dimension for your offense because not only can you move the ball down the field, but also that's another guy that's not attacking horizontally as you're trying to do stuff with an RPO and spread the field from sideline to sideline. Yeah, and that's why I think it would be really nice to see the flip side of that if you had a package, which we've seen less and less with Robbie Ashford, as you mentioned, leaving Peyton Thorne in so it doesn't look so obvious and going, up, oh, Robbie Ashford's in, they're going to run it. Or Peyton Thorne's in, so there's not going to be a quarterback run on the RPO. But if, if for some reason Robbie Ashford does come in and have packages, I'd love to see the flip side of that where he throws off that packages more and becomes less predictable where they say Robbie Ashford's in the game, he's running it. You start throwing it off those packages, now you've got defensive coordinators really confused as to what Auburn's going to do with formations, personnel packages. So I think we're starting to see that and starting to see the more Peyton Thorne runs the football vertically, the more weapons Auburn will have and the more the defenses will have to adjust and don't be surprised if you, there is a spy scenario and a linebacker. You make an excellent point. It's not just putting a defender in the middle of the field. It's taking somebody off the edge or off a pass rushing situation. I would see receivers and tight ends look for them to be running more free in the secondary if that happens. Yeah, and talking about you know getting guys free and things like that. On paper, it feels like this matchup should favor Auburn a little bit more than perhaps Vegas is giving them credit for. And we'll talk about that next right here on Locked on Auburn. Uh, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. You can jump into action with this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in to get in on the action. As of time of recording, Auburn is a seven and a half point underdog in this game to Texas A&M. You mentioned Auburn was going to be uh, not favored in 
all four of these games. So if you've thought about joining FanDuel and you haven't done it yet and you feel confident that Auburn can handle Texas A&M, go join. $5 bet gets you 200 in bonus bets, and it's entirely possible Auburn covers. FanDuel.com slash locked on. They are official partner of the NFL. Obviously, college football is a big thing for them as well. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Eddie's Calzones, located 130 North College Street, downtown Auburn, across from the new Target. What's really cool about Eddie's Calzones, it's not just, yeah, here's a cheese, here's a pepperoni, here's a, a meat lover's calzone. They've got really cool stuff. Chicken bacon ranch calzone, Philly cheesesteak, buffalo chicken, macaroni and cheese calzone. I'm not even sure how that works, but it sounds really good, and They've got extra crispy wings, some of the best wings in town. Auburn's got a lot of wing options. Eddie's Calzones is an underrated option to get your wings. Take advantage of their every week specials. Two-for-one Calzones on Tuesday, half-price wings on Wednesday, beer specials on Sunday through Thursday. $2 domestic, $3 imported from 3 to 9 p.m. So, if you're looking for something different for your home game tailgate or away game watch party or... You just have the late night hungries. You can count on Eddie's. Go to eddiescalzoneauburn.com or give them a call at 334-329-5111. Keep up with their specials on Instagram at eddiescalzonesauburn because Eddie's is calzones, wings, and beer open and delivering until 4 a.m. Final segment here with Daryl Daprich on the Friday show of Locked on Auburn. And on paper... I feel like this is probably a better matchup for Auburn than a line of seven and a half points would indicate. It just feels like some of the strengths for Auburn don't line up with the strengths of Texas A&M and some of A&M's strengths line up with Auburn's strengths, right? Yeah, I, this is puzzling to me and trying to figure out where they get the, the justification for sometimes putting out the lines just purely from a football standpoint not covering anything like that. I'm talking about just football man on man. Here's the thing that, that's concerning to me or, or puzzles me. Number one, you've got a team in Texas A&M that Auburn beat last year and probably was one of its worst years of football in a long time. I get and, and, and you're playing a team that's already lost to Miami. So why A&M is getting so much love, I think, has to come down to two things. Number one, they're, the Kyle Field argument, they're putting a lot of stock in that. And number two, I think that the – the recruiting classes that Jimbo Fisher has had the last two years, I think they're thinking or banking on them coming to fruition. They figure, okay, AM's roster is superior to Auburn's because of all these five stars. Let's see when they start to blossom. For me, I, I think that the opposite. I look at the things that Texas A&M does really well and the things that Texas A&M do really poor, and they both line up to an advantage for Auburn. And here's what I mean. A&M's offense – has been very air heavy, air raid type thing, throwing it a lot, very successful. They haven't mm -hmm. run it as successful as they probably wanted to. Auburn has shown the propensity to struggle against teams that run the football really, really well. If you throw it 40 times against Auburn with that secondary, I like Auburn's chances. Sure, you're going to get some yards, you're going to get some chunk plays, but I think you're also going to get some turnovers compared to the way that Auburn's secondary has played. Auburn's strength right now is his defensive backfield, even with Keontae Scott being hurt because J.D. Rim comes back, Donovan Kaufman comes back, Pritchett is rumored to be coming back. You got D.J. James and Jalen Simpson already playing at a high level. That is their biggest area of strength. 
So if you're throwing it 40 or 45 times, you are throwing it into Auburn's best room, position room. I like that. I also like the fact that AM has struggled defending the pass. Auburn seems to be getting that going. That seems to be an area that they could exploit. And right now with Peyton Thorne and maybe some of the receivers and Fairweather coming into their own, if Auburn puts it up 30, 35, 40 times like they did against Samford, that may be an advantage that Auburn can take, you know, to, to get a benefit from. I think kind of like the the big thing that kind of illustrates these strengths and things like that. Um, Jalen Simpson has three interceptions already, and Auburn's defensive backs have five interceptions through three games. And so it feels kind of odd to me that, like, you would think, yeah, we're going to throw all over those guys when, like, that's what they do. Here's the question I have for you. Do you think, who has more catches, or I guess, does Jalen Simpson have more interceptions than Jay Fair has touchdown catches in this game? Wow, I think Auburn's going to get two in the air, and I and I, I just have this sneaky suspicion that Pritchett is going to be one of them because I think they're going to purposely Petrino's going to purposefully go away from DJ James, and when he yeah. does that, I think Pritchett is going to have the opportunity. So I don't know. I I think Jalen Simpson on the interception uh, trend that he's on, I, I like Fair in that scenario. I think Jay Fair is going to get open. Thorne's going to find him, and I think that Jay Fair may have a touchdown. And Auburn's defense, Jalen Simpson won't have the interception. Somebody else will. Nice. Okay, so so final predictions as we get into, you know, we're wrapping up the show here. Uh, what is your final score prediction for this game? And obviously, does Auburn cover? Does Auburn win? Well, you know, it, it, as SEC media days, I went on a Texas A&M, locked on Texas A&M show, and I predicted – Auburn to lose this game close, but things change in the course of two months. And, you know, Texas A&M having already lost to Miami, <clears throat> I think Auburn getting a little bit healthier in the passing game, getting comfortable. I like Auburn to come out of here with a 27-23 victory. I was thinking 28-24 uh, <coughs> Auburn victory. So we're kind of in the same boat of Auburn not only uh, covers, but wins a one-score game late. And I'm guessing probably an interception to seal it late. Uh Daryl Daprich, where can folks go to find you, love on you, all of that? Here every Friday with Zach on Locked on Auburn. We also do a reaction show after every Auburn football game that we record the night of. Post it Sunday morning at 6 a.m. On Monday mornings and Tuesday afternoons, I'm on a couple of different shows with the Auburn Network radio shows. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. You can find all of my Auburn writing and Zach's Auburn writing at AuburnDaily.com. And until we talk, uh, I'll talk to you Monday. Zach will talk to you Sunday with Daryl. But until then, this has been Locked on Auburn.